Welcome gamers to the Better Gaming Podcast. Today we will be talking about gaming past versus the present. But with me today with this discussion, we've got two good friends of mine. You both know them from last week. First one we have is Nick. Hey, good evening everybody. And secondly, there's Joe. What's going on everybody? So starting off, just kind of as we normally do, how's y'all's week been? Good, good. Been uh, Very busy. Big busy. Anything new that y'all been dabbling with, or just the usual? I uh, played in a couple tournaments this week, so I top forward one and failed to place this evening playing uh, an ADP list I made some uh, some additions to on a Pokemon training card game. So okay. it's nice to finally score some more points towards Worlds, but... At the same time, my own misplays kept me out of it tonight, so just got to keep grinding. Yep. Top never I comes personally... easy. Oh, sorry, man. No, you're good. What you got, Joe? Uh, I personally just found out for Apex Legends, they, um, they opened up a $3 million multiple tournament series that I have been practicing for pretty relentlessly over the last few days. Excellent. When's that supposed to be? Uh, January 25th is the first one, I believe. Okay. I'm excited. Is it squad or something? Uh, squad. I think it will always be squad, unless something changes weirdly in the future. Hmm. Awesome. Oh, Nick, by the way, did you hear about the MTG Arena? What's going on in January? Uh, no, I didn't. There's a little mini event where they'll be bringing back specialty cards such as the infamous Black Lotus. Oh, yeah, and you can play with a one-of of yep. anything, kind of. Yep. Yeah. Looks I don't know. I, I, I think it starts the 16th. I think it's, it'll be a neat bit of fun. But yeah. at the same time, like, no one in real life has access to those cards unless you're a pro player and you're sponsored by a shop that can, that has a Black Lotus. Or you're someone who's been playing for 20 years because, I mean, it's an $80,000 card if it's from the alpha set in uh, in mint condition. So mm -hmm. it's, it'll be fun, but at the same time, it's like, that's not magic anymore. Like the game, like we're talking about today, the game has evolved and changed. Yep. So it's definitely going to give people, I think, if you're new and then you play the event and you think it's awesome... Well, then you're going to want to play Vintage Magic or Legacy Magic, and the entry for that, you know, is thousands of dollars, so I just hope people don't get the wrong idea. Yeah. Now, this is something that they're just putting on for the MTG Arena to kind of give a little bit of a throwback. I thought it was a pretty cool idea, but we'll see how it plays out. I want to say that starts on January 16th. I think it's 16th, 17th, and 18th. Right after I start school. Dang. I have to double check that, but well, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so that may not be right. I don't know. We'll see. For some reason, January sixteenth sticks on in my head, but either way, uh, we'll go ahead and get into today's topic. Like I said, it's talking about video games, past and present. So, where we came from, and for a lot of people, stuff that you play when you're younger more or less carries with you. I mean, you've got a very, very large community around speed running. And specifically, older games from the SNES, NES, um, up to current, obviously. So, kind of dive into that a little bit. 
But first, I want to see where everybody started in their whole gaming interest as they grew up. So, uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Where did you start playing games? Ooh, start. Uh, wow. Um, gosh, I, I honestly think my first start was picking up a uh, my mom's Game Boy Color and playing the old Pokemon Silver. Uh, that was my first ever experience with video games, and I absolutely loved it. The only thing I hated about it was the old school colors had a tendency to have a glitch that let you not save completely. So you constantly had to restart. I don't know if I just didn't do it right or if it just was my game in particular. That was it might have been your system. Yeah. Uh, but for, for for like the longest time, I've played at least the beginning of Pokemon for like at least the first four years of my life. Uh, but when it comes to my, my first personal uh, like wanting to play for myself, I got a PlayStation One. I know it's it's a little bit further out than most people would say that someone at my age should have gotten like maybe an nes or a uh, sega genesis but uh Jeez, i ended up uh 22 oh no you're not sega genesis age well i had one around i just never actually went, got around to playing it um gotcha but my first game on ps1 was the uh the harry potter release for the chamber of secrets uh for some reason it just really stuck to me and my brother and we kind of stuck by that other than that i played a lot of uh racing games if you can believe it i'm not really a big racing guy nowadays Obviously, with all the FPS, but it used to fit my fancy back when I was a little kid. Okay. Always play manual shift. <laughs> <laughs> Always. If you don't, you're not living. <laughs> exactly. Gotta put that put them RPMs in the red, baby. <laughs> all right, Nick. What about you? What got you started? Um. So I was not allowed to play video games consoles consoles as a kid. So I didn't get my first console until I was like 13 years old, and that was the PS1, same as uh, Joe. But I was allowed to play handheld. So when I when Red and Blue was released, so it was like 6, I think 98, right? In America it was released? Or it had, had, to be, had to be somewhere near there. Somewhere near yeah, the so around 20 years ago, which uh, <laughs> is amazing to say. Uh, I played the Pokemon games, and I also, uh, actually, I, I think all I really played was Pokemon, because, like, I have a thing where, like, when I'm, like, when I'm into something, you know, it's just, I get absorbed in, like, trying to be the best at it, whatever it happens to be. I mean, Kixie, you've seen me on the po. Uh, not in yep. the Pokemon TCG, but definitely in the raiding scene and on uh, in uh, in arenas. So I just I'll spam that, you know, five hundred times until I get what I'm looking for, I guess. So yeah, definitely uh, a lot of Pokemon. Uh, I had a brother as well; he played the same thing. And then um, I was really into f football as a little kid, like as a player. Um, so I got the Madden games, like the Madden 98 for DS, and Madden 2000 for PS1, um, were games that I played a lot. Um, not much roleplay, I just couldn't see the appeal as a little kid. Uh, nowadays I like that a lot more, but, um, and then, uh, trading card games, I was into Pokemon cards at the same time I was into the games, but I took... A huge hiatus from Pokemon. Uh, you know, once I got older, like 12, I stopped playing Pokemon, I'd say. 
Pokemon cards. I played the video game still. And then I didn't play them again until about like six months ago. So, huge time leap. Yeah, definitely. I think the earliest I remember was my cousins had the original Game Boy, the green screen, that we would play on. And they had the NES and the SNES. And Tetris. the first system that I actually got personally... No, I mean, they had Tetris, but that wasn't like the big one. It was mostly the Mario games. Um, but the first console that I remember actually getting... Uh, my dad was all into... He liked the new tech and he loved playing games too so which is where i get a lot of mine from and he had got one christmas he got me the sega genesis sega cd combo which was super cool and then also the game gear which a lot of people don't even remember which was the sega handheld thing was a brick took like six eight batteries or something like that something ridiculous um they had battery packs but they didn't last very long so but yeah, I originally started off playing Sega. So Sonic was a really, really big part of my childhood, along with being over at my cousin's house a lot, playing Mario with them. Um, and then, of course, it graduated into the later with the GameCube. Uh, I actually got the Dreamcast. That was an interesting system. Dreamcast wasn't very popular. Yeah, it wasn't very popular. So. No. I think it was I just don't... poorly executed. That system is at least from what it appeared at the time is what was kind of Sega's downfall. They tried to get a little too innovative for its time because they had the little cartridges similar to how the N64 was with the memory cards that plugged into the bottom of the controls. But they tried to add almost like a Tamagotchi type thing also. So they tried to do too much with the system and it was very poorly created. Too so much it was causing a lot of corruption. Kind of thing. Yes. So it just turned out that a lot of the stuff would become corrupted. Uh, you'd lose save files, stuff like that. So it didn't really have a big stretch. I do remember the first game we got for it. I believe it was called Sonic Adventures. Uh, somebody probably can correct me on that. But I remember starting off and you're on a snowboard going down the streets. It looks like San Francisco. Um going down the real steep hills, doing tricks, collecting the coins and whatnot. But it was still memorable and just enjoyed playing it. So mm-hmm. aside from Sonic and Mario, I mean, of course we played, when we got the 64, we played GoldenEye, another really big classic. Uh, we played a lot of, like you said, the Madden games. And another really big one that we played was Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey and uh-huh. uh, NBA Jam. That was like me and my cousins, like prime. That's what we played. Goldeneye, NBA Jam, Wayne Gretzky. And that was the majority of my childhood until I got the Game Boy Color. And then it was like just Pokemon straight on from there on out. Hell yeah. So. That's the way to do it, man. Kind of played up through the years. Went from me personally having the Sega to the Nintendo 64 to the PS1 and then the PS2 and then the original Xbox and then so on and so forth. Um, actually it got every console except for the Wii or the, yeah, like the Wii, the other Nintendo after the cube. Nice. So pretty wide variety, but I see a trend. So from what we've all say, stated 
that we grew up playing, it looks like all of us more or less shifted in one way or another away from the stuff that we started on. Whereas, and a lot of that comes with improved technology also. Because back then, it was a lot of platformers. It was a lot of, you know, racing games. A lot of slow-paced, like, type shooters with GoldenEye. Uh, what was the other one? Perfect Dark, I think. There's a couple other ones. But... So, do y'all think that the way that our taste or the way that we kind of gravitate towards certain games was directly representative of the change in technology also? And other things became more readily available and better quality as it went on? Or do you think it's just an acquired taste based on the ages? I feel like... You know, when you transition from Sony and Nintendo into Microsoft, you know, the Xbox, the games, the type of games that were headlining were the shooters, right? So when, Mm -hmm. you know, the Xbox came out and Halo 1 was released, or, you know, the PS, you know, 1 or 2 came out, and I can't remember the shooters. I didn't have that system. But... um, Which one? The Xbox? For for PS1 and PS2. Oh, PS1. I mean, yeah. It it was a lot of Ghost Recon. Ghost Recon. Recon, That's the one. Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell. That's another great one. I didn't play Splinter Cell, but I do remember Ghost Recon. Actually, was Splinter Cell for PS1 or was that just PS2? I think that was PS2. Now I need to check. So, those companies... Um, basically wanted to be different than Nintendo, yep. right? So they had to hit a market that Nintendo didn't already... And Nintendo still owns the RPG market. Mm-hmm. You can try and convince me otherwise, but like in Japan itself, the sh- sheer number of RPGs you can buy for a 3DS or the, or the Switch is insane, right? So it's not really like an... It's not really a debate. Yeah. They, they own the market as far as sales. Um, so these other companies are like, all right, we got to do something different. And as kids, we were in that age where they was transitioning, right? We weren't older where it was like, okay, Nintendo owns everything. We'll play those games. We were born in that transition era. So yeah, it's definitely technology, but I think the real reason isn't the technology factor. I mean, it is because they came out with a new generation system, but I think it's more so the, um, uh, what is it? the competition them pushing into a new market and then them putting ads on the tv you know back when we actually watched ads on the television saying okay there's uh you know a new game out it's just like you know being in the army you're an army man you're so cool blah 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 <laughs> you, you, that's how it was marketed right and then you and your friends from school would be like well, I don't want to catch Pokemon anymore. I want to go shoot people in the face. Because, you know, the Pokemon company and Nintendo didn't have, you know, commercials going, popping off left and right. Like Microsoft did. I mean, good job, Bill Gates, with the Xbox and figuring that out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's that's really... 
that's I th I think that's the biggest factor. Um, personally, you know, I may be wrong, but I I kind of agree with that. I think it's all based on the times. Um, it's all about the AAA titles that were big at the time. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't really big on Tetris, but it's still making millions and millions of dollars. So, I I definitely think that we just I I personally happen to grow up in between the big age of Halo blowing up as big as it did, Call of Duty blowing up as big as it did. Uh, Battle Royales being as blown up as they are nowadays, uh, it just kind of, I feel literally feel like it was just the time. Uh, if, if a great RPG came out at that time, then maybe I would have hooked onto it. I did have a lot of Final Fantasy around as a kid, but for me personally, I was I was a big, big believer in having to play from the first game on, and uh, it kind of bugged me if I started 10 games, 8 games, 7 games in. So uh, I never really picked up on Final Fantasy, but... Yeah, the thing with Final Fantasy... I mean, you're able to just jump right in there. None of them exactly have, like, consistent timelines. Each game's a new game. I mean, you've got your exceptions where you've got 10 and 10 2. You've got, uh, was it 13 or 14? Uh, the one with Lightning. I think it's 13. I could be wrong about that. But the, they came out with the second one of that also. So there's only been a handful that actually had like corresponding games right after each other but i don't know personally i think because growing up again played a lot of platformers with technology allowed them the ability to put out those enhanced graphics which made certain game types such as fps's far more appealing because i mean they had shooters back with nes oh, no, you had doom one of the classics and Doom still played today by speedrunners and even people just want to you know goof around. So they've had all these game types, but I agree with what you said earlier where Xbox came in and they kind of put the spotlight specifically on FPS because you had the Halo. Call of Duties became massive. That's when you really got into online community and playing these FPSs across the internet. And Nintendo, mm -hmm. I mean, they've always been your platformer RPG, again, like Nick had stated. Because um, I remember the first one I played, even before the PS1, was for the Nintendo 64 called Quest 64. I know they've had some before that, because, I mean, you've got the Zelda series, very much an RPG. Uh, that goes all the way back to NES, SNES, even the Game Boy. So... Each system definitely has its kind of, not really priority, but what attracts people the most. And Nintendo's kind of been off on their own, you know, they more or less cornered the handheld market. Although I enjoyed the Vita quite a bit, but it doesn't have just a huge variety and huge selection of games like the DS gave. So Nintendo definitely has its place and it still outsells the other two systems uh the wii was one of the most sold systems ever which is incredible it's almost it's almost like they're in a league of their own yeah X xbox and playstation know... are down here fighting and he's up top mm -hmm. like you guys are weird but they know who they're <laughs> catering to they have oh, something for everybody just depends on what they're you're a fam they're, it's a family system yes it's like mm -hmm. someone come all we got something here you might like yep whereas oh, and the other systems definitely 
are more like you know you hardcore they they advertise more to the hardcore not to the hey you want to play just for a few months yeah sony and xbox both are very much more the competitive nature type players mm-hmm. not saying they're not for nintendo but I'm, they're just and i'm sure this towards. i'm sure it happens a lot where if you ask your buddy what console he plays he'll say xbox forever playstation always oh, yeah. you know what i mean like they, they're definitely you're definitely right about it being a family thing because i've actually met a family that did nothing but microsoft stuff like it's actually becomes like almost like coke and pepsi they just kind of butt heads every time they see each other even though they're the same thing <laughs> the left the, the left and the right twix see yeah. i I'm, I'm only i'm only a left twix eater just so you guys know <laughs> really <laughs> i'm just kidding i just like eating the center I, uh, out of reese's <laughs> i was gonna say oh man he really manages his candy <laughs> <laughs> i toss out goes, the other two i don't need those goes in there on the candy that's all right we'll kind of dive into the whole xbox versus you know sony or console versus pc later uh, in a couple weeks actually we'll be going and over PC that topic wins. we don't even need to yeah. talk about it <laughs> uh, they both have merit like I said we'll save that for a couple weeks um, no yeah they all have their place under my foot under yeah. my foot but to see gaming transition over the year aside from the graphics aside from whatever platform or company puts out the console or develops the game because you've had some really big titles blow up over the year with Bioware mm-hmm. you got Bethesda Blizzard Entertainment Mm-hmm. And there's so so many more. Activision, that I can name. Activision. Oh EA. my God! Wizard Entertainment. There's is, so many. I, there's the company many... before Activision came. <laughs> yes. Made its living off of taking other people's games, and releasing a new version of that game that was just better. And <laughs> that was just better. So basically, <laughs> WoW is EverQuest that's better in every way. Yes. <laughs> like, there's no the other way, way they it. approached the, the market was compared to other, you know, companies was innovative and new, especially for the time. Oh, uh, definitely. And uh, it gave them, you know, a bunch of, well, it gave them millions of subscribers. They're. Arguably, I mean, as far as a developer, a video game developer, not a console, they probably make the most money. Well, I mean, I mean from 2004 on, they're getting nothing but subscription deals with people. Subscription and they're selling their on game. Top of on, on, on top of selling the, the packs, on top of selling individual games, on top of... On top of I'm talking about WoW, for services. those that don't know, WoW released in 2004. Uh, and, and you have to subscribe to that monthly. And there was a lot of people that jumped on that hype really fast. So I'm sure that's why Blizzard was able to do the things they were so quickly. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it almost seems like they they almost, they almost took the gaming world by storm by releasing the game like WoW and allowing them to have the resources that they currently yeah. have to make games like uh, Overwatch, uh, to remaster games like uh, Call of Duty, like stuff like that. Like they didn't have uh, complete control over the Call of Duty, but now they do on PC. And it's kind of, it's actually kind of crazy. And some that. people would argue though, like that. that Activision stepping in and giving that has also taken away from some of the company's innovation. 
But, of course. I mean, that's just that's based. Well, on I what, mean, what's your flavor? That's really what that means. No, exactly. Well, that's we, become... we we could draw straws all day long, and we could find differences here and there. But I mean, they, they all they all have their place, like we said before. Uh, like, Xbox has their shooters. PlayStation has. I actually don't really know what PlayStation provides other than a, a nice a, a, a nice little like combination of everything. Spyro's and Nintendo has cool. has their uh. Role playing games, so they they all have their place for sure. Absolutely. And what I like to see is uh, different games come out of the same like like say Activision releases a game for Xbox, they could also release one for PlayStation. It'll be com- two completely different games. And it, it that that's that's be what I love what about the whole gaming time we're in now. I would almost say this is the game revolution era of of everything where. We're trying to show people that this truly is something that can be more than what you think it is. It could actually be a business behind what we're all doing here. No, absolutely. Entertainment in general, doesn't matter what form it is, whether it be sports, it be games, it be whatever, Mm-mm. any form of entertainment, there's value in that. It of just course. depends on if you can hit the right audience. You know, oh, you yeah. Gotta talk oh, about topics. That's to why. Internet. Oh, yeah. Everything like gaming itself has revolved around the internet. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, a- a- internet changed everything. Yeah. Everything. Because when you're playing Halo One on your not on an internet connection, right? Yeah, big old LAN parties. Before, you know, <laughs> LAN parties and stuff, and that was one thing. But now you can get on Twitch and watch your favorite pro pro player. You know, play 50 games of Apex or WoW or Rainbow Six, and you can learn something and you can get better. And dude, it it then has... then the companies that own these games uh, can have giant tournaments with huge prize pools that make people want to play them for like their job. And if they win one of these tournaments, not only do they win the prize money. Also, when they stream, right, they can make a career out of it, and people mm-hmm. are going to cons- consume that yep. entertainment. And that's on the rise, too, making a career out of streaming and yep. entertaining that way. Wow, that's also a topic. Like I said, we've got, I've got several topics mm-hmm. laid out. Oh, yeah, we'll we're going to we're gonna dive in into these things so fast so. that you, you guys... But you we can't talk about the change of, change of gaming without mentioning that. Cause that's absolutely, just absolutely. That, no, of that's, course not. That's a motivation. Any motivation to play games... Yeah has just increased as time has gone on. If you were like to draw like a like a what well, chart like a chart a line, a line graph. Mm-hmm. It's just the amount of motivations and the amount of people who think esports is a sport on the bottom, right? It's just going to mm-hmm. go up and up and it's it's linear. The more people who have access to it and the more people who see it and are around it, it's it's like cuz without high speed internet and without streaming and without companies throwing tournaments and broadcasting them. Like, on, in Korea, it's on TV. And that's why StarCraft is still the the most played game over there. You know, not even StarCraft 2, like Brood War. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's really, you know, as time goes on, you think, how can we reach more people? And that's how I think games, that's a, that's a big driving factor behind games changing, too. Let's go and get into that, then. Because like you said, it does kind of go hand in hand with the whole uh, gaming past and present. Another big shift in gaming and gaming ability along with the internet was things like YouTube being the first one before mm-hmm. like streaming was even really a thing. 
Justin oh, yeah. TV YouTube because was before one of the first ones. I remember if you wanted any kind of guide, you had to hope that the store had the guide. If they didn't have the guide, you could oh. be running around in circles trying to figure it yourself. It gave another level of difficulty to the game. But now if you need to find anything out, Google it. Go to YouTube. Guarantee there'll YouTube be a video. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, so that's it, definitely changed. I think it's, YouTube itself was the first major, major shift. After the internet and online play, of course, I think YouTube was the next major shift in gaming and how people played and looked at games. Well, the, not only that, but YouTube also rev revolutionized things like for people in entertainment and as a whole. Uh, talk shows were starting to open up. People who weren't who thought may who maybe thought they had no chance of getting on TV now have a chance to speak their their voice and a lot of people blew up through YouTube uh and still to come oh, actually yeah. as crazy as it is nowadays i would say YouTube is is more in in the era era of music and games uh music and entertain just entertainment as a whole was what YouTube was originally and, and vlogs no, yeah, you could find anything you could you could find yeah. music videos you could find vlogs you could find guides to games you could find do you, like it, it goes on. I, I I could be sitting here for an hour telling you what you could have found on the original mm -hmm. YouTube, and there, the content was like limitless. They had very little uh, things you couldn't really show, so you you got just about everything you looked up. As crazy as that is to hear, uh, there was very little things that they flagged back when it first originally started. Now yep. they flag little things like uh, saying f bombs on videos that aren't flagged for adults. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, they really cracked like, down on it's, that. It's it's changed like so much. Like for me personally in my gaming, I, I've been able to like like we said, look up guides. And I I've seen nothing but improvement in my gameplay that I don't think I would have been able to find by just sitting here and playing the game myself. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, more without, or less, without wasting hours, hours. You're getting coached without having a coach. Exactly. Being able to go and watch somebody else play at a higher tier or higher level, see the kind of things that they look for, what they do, especially in FPSs. It gives mm -hmm. you an idea of what you need to look at going forward also. It, it teaches you the way things are done. It teaches yes. you the, the broken guns. It teaches you the, the ways to move around the map. It teaches you so much you can learn. And then and when streaming. to revolutionaries. When like streaming got big. Yeah. Justin TV. Justin TV. Uh, owned TV. Twitch TV. Like all these streaming platforms. Once Mixer they released now. them. Yeah. And Mixer. One of the, the newest one. And I want to hear, they said, who was it? Someone else was putting out or in the process of developing another one. I don't remember who oh, it was. Oh, I, I heard about that a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, it was a big company, but I cannot remember who it was. But either way, when streaming got introduced, that gave a voice and really, that and again, what helped blow up, like you said, the speedrunners. Now they're able to put it all out there. They built communities around them. A big one that's, that I used to watch a was Caleb Hart. Beautiful example. You got Grand Pooh Bear, who he does a lot more than just speedrunning. Um, I mean, there's so many speedrunners that you can just go on if you want to. If you're interested in it, go watch it. I'm not really a speedrunner, but I still love sitting there and watching these gamers put out there things that they enjoy. And that they're really good at for everyone to see and build a community. I, mean, I, can, post a, I can post a speed run of how fast I can get two welders in two turns and win a game. <laughs> exactly. Be like, hey, 
Want to be good at Pokemon, kids? Here's a welder. Well, uh, on the on the topic. That. On the topic of speedrunning, for me personally, I, I was a big Kingdom Hearts fan. Mm -hmm. And to know how big this game really was, like when you're just playing it straight out, like it took me easily a, a week to finish this game. And I'm watching this guy literally do it in a sitting. Like that is insane. That blows my mind that someone can literally figure a game out to like put a record out that's under I, three hours, I think, is, is the world record for the, for the NA version. And I think it's like an hour 50 for the Japanese version, and that's just because the loading times are a little bit smaller. Yeah. Like, they, it's insane the type of well, things that people a... can do. And, and like, oh, like, I, I just, I'm sorry. That's another just thing. rant about this with having With having the internet and being able to order, like, you'll see a lot of speedrunners run the Japanese versions of the game. For one, faster text. There's a lot less text on screen it, with Japanese translation versus the English language. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people, especially in uh, like Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, another one oh, that's that a majority one. played. Yeah, massive speedrunning community. But again, they use the Japanese version because of the faster text, and there's less text. It, it as as little as it seems, it can cut out as as much as an hour of your game time. Yes, and th that could be a game like a world record type of gameplay mm -hmm. if you're mm -hmm. really breaking down the numbers it's it seems very minuscule to lose three seconds but it it can be everything to a speedrunner if you do it too many times yep but then you've got yeah you, know, you uh, nick had briefly brought up and i think joe had mentioned something about it too outside of just streaming and youtube those gave people a way again to show this is what I'm good at. This is what I like playing. And if they get really, really good, they can get recognition. Mm -hmm. Then you get into, if you want to get super competitive, you get into the esports, and you go into esports, and that opens up a whole nother load That's of opportunity, just a different a, world, a whole nother door. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm getting into the paper, uh, TCG, mm. you know, esports. And I recently found out that, uh, Two guys at my store used to play for DDG, which is like the major American team. I was like, "Oh, that's why I lose them every week." Honestly, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Have they this know thing. tricks that I don't know. Well, it's not tricks. It's, it's just a different their way gameplay. of thinking. Their gameplay. It's not even that. I would say like we think the same things. We, but they are able to get there more consistently because what they're thinking about. And what I'm thinking about the same thing, but they have it all memorized. They know how to get there super consistently, right? It's, so it's, they it's just like speedrunning. It's memorization. Yeah, they just they just have a really really solid grasp of not only and their knowledge of decks is different too, which is something that's uh, super important to mention. Mm -hmm. Um. How to them, counter certain decks and how to play against um, them, stuff like that. There is a counterplay aspect in Pokemon TCG, but in reality, it's like it just like and we'll cover this. Kixie has a thing where I'll go over deck building, but in reality, it's just consistency and consistency and consistency. And whereas I may make a mistake turn two, they don't. They're like machines. 
that produce the same results <laughs> every time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'd be I, like I in Apex, the pros that just get the same loadout they want, that push the same part, mm-hmm. that and if anyone wants to come at them, fine. They'll just kill them. You know what I mean? But this is the, they're, they're pushing through. That's what they're going to do. So I feel like that's um, that's a big thing with the, the difference between myself and someone who's capable of, like, you know, being pro at the moment. But I'm getting there. I'm getting better. It's all about improvement. That's awesome, man. Repetition. The more exposed you are to it, the better you get over time, the more natural it feels. And eventually you just cave and you play welder and you see how you <laughs> And up. then you cave. <laughs> hey, there ain't nothing uh, wrong with experimenting. There's always no. going to be somebody that's ready to kind of shake it up. Of, of yeah, not... I mean, that'll definitely happen in February, 100%. Like, like I feel like the game that's evolved, that evolves the most consistency to the most extremes is definitely Pokemon. Because when you just add new elements every two years to the, either the video game or towards the trading card game or towards the trading card game online or changing the rules as frequently as they do... It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, now we got to figure out a whole new meta because starting in February, if you go first, you don't play a supporter. That, which that's, me- why, that's why I believe Battle Royales are in such a good spot because they update almost weekly. They, they have updates, but their meta shifts are not as drastic. No, nowhere near as drastic, but definitely there are meta shifts, for sure. Yeah, definitely a shift. I'd be like, this gun's slightly more balanced now. It's okay to get another gun. Like, I don't have to search for that one. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's not like Pokemon, where it's like, you know, if I just play Welder, I'm probably going to have a 70% win rate against non-Welder decks. Oh, no, it's nothing like that. (laughs) Definitely not like that. Um, And it's, it's, well, it's not even that. I mean, like, Mewtwo's been doing really well lately. The non-welder deck I'm playing is very good as well. Like it's it's definitely not bad. I'm not gonna knock it. But um, if I brick, I can't recover because I don't have card draw, like welder has, and it just has a couple bad matchups that are happen to be welder decks, and I'm vindictive, so I hate. Welder. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm vindictive. That. Hey, yeah, that's just I mean, a personal problem. <laughs> we we all have our. I guess our own little issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, they just recently... Uh, I, I want to come back to this whole uh, meta shift in, in the Battle Royale aspect of it. Uh, they just recently had a league happen for Apex. And right before the league happened, they updated the zone spots. They used to only collapse in a certain select locations, depending on where the zone was. But now they added a randomness. And due to the randomness, it actually threw a big org off. I'm pretty sure that org was uh, NRG. And, and, or, I'm sorry, not NRG. Uh, I might have to actually look into this. But it actually pinned them into a wall because of the fact that they thought they had a good position on a high ground. And it actually literally barred them in to the high ground by keeping them on Apex. It kept them on one side of a mountain, keeping them away from the fight, and ultimately killing them because it collapsed on the other side. Oh, so, so meta, met, maybe not as drastic, but can still be a little bit detrimental inside the game uh, to most players that are, may not may may or may not be ready for it. 
Uh, I know recently they had a big buff to the Peacekeeper on Season 3, and a lot of people got angry because that thing would literally walk into a room and smack you in the face, and you, there was nothing you could do about it. <laughs> so uh, I saw your highlight reel. I know what it does. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> that, that thing was too good not to be touched. Uh, it, like you said, you, you have to find that one gun, but now that it's nerfed, you're right. I don't have to look for it as quite as drastically. Uh, so maybe not quite as as detrimental of a shift, but I, I would say it, it's definitely worth recognizing. What I really want to know, I guess, with the history of gaming and the future of gaming, mm -hmm. is when is the next like genre gonna hit? Ooh. And what is it gonna be? We have like, you know what I mean? Because we don't have, we haven't had a new genre. Yeah. I think BR years. was the last big one, but that's been a while. Oh yeah, like it, BR wasn't really for about big. Two years, easily uh, four or five been years. Than that, yeah. sitting on no, battle royales. H one Z one came out, I think twenty twelve. And Daisy, the Arma three mod. Daisy was fun. Was was the first one that mm -hmm. I thought was like twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Popular. Well, H one Z one was basically st they stole Daisy. Oh, big time. Daisy was they, a zombie survival mode, but then Arma 3 had the BR mod that allowed the BR, where you... I don't remember if you dropped in or if it just spawned you in random locations and the zone closed in. So, I mean, that was the first one that I remember ever seeing. But outside of that, I don't know what kind of genre they could put in. I mean, you've got your FPS, you've got your RPGs, your RTS... Uh, you've got train card games, but that's outside of like the virtual. You got MOBAs, you got battle royales. I don't know what else they could put in. I don't know because people well, are, the they're thing. looking for creative, a new right? outside of it being an RPG or MOBA or whatever. People are looking for new and improved ways of playing FPS more or less. Whether it be yeah. like a team deathmatch, capture the flag, battle royale, whatever it may be, and there's a lot of spinoffs from humans... that. Well, I mean, humans have not... I mean, don't underestimate humans. We have not come up with all the ways to kill each other yet. So there will be... I don't be know. Have you seen Hollywood? FPS. I think they ran out of ideas. Um, uh, so we'll definitely get improved versions of what people like. Um, what their I evil just, hearts desire. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't like... I I think it would be hard for us to determine a new mode. Uh, ultimately, because you have to be fairly creative to make up something... I almost feel... That hasn't been already out. If y'all have seen the second uh, Sword Art Online, where mm -hmm. you've got the virtual city, and within that city, you can go through... And you can play all these different genres of games while you're within the city. The way that VR has blown up, consoles are getting more and more advanced, PCs are getting more and more advanced, graphics are getting more and more advanced along with all of it. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that it is too far off from saying that we may be breaking into that era where that's become a very real thing. Where oh, definitely. you have a central hub that you log in on. From there, you can choose to go 
and play through all these different companies' games while you're within this alternative world. <laughs> almost, almost pulling a uh, Ready Player One type of idea. Basically, like pulled into your own virtual reality type of idea. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad, not a bad aspect. And although it's not technically a genre, but I feel that that's where all this has been leading up, and the way that VR has just exploded over the last two years. Even. You have a oh, VR my. console? I do not yet. It's not something that personally has interested me. Although the way, the more and more that I see them, the more intrigued I am and curious as to what else is going to come out with them. So I'm leaning more towards, okay, now I want to get this. Gotcha. I honestly think VR, I was going to say, VR would have to be our our most recent big genre poll. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not really a genre per se, but it's, it's a way to experience your games differently. Yeah. It, 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 it may expand into, in, into, like, like you said, yeah, exactly. It changes games. It may vary in different genres, but it is its own genre as virtual reality. I think for me, the big reason why I never got into it right away was because looking at stuff like the Wii or you had the PlayStation Move. Oh, my. Um, you had the Connect for Xbox. <laughs> Let's just not talk about the Move. <laughs> A lot of the stuff, it's not as accurate. And I think to me that was the most frustrating part is I'm mm-hmm. trying to accomplish something using these motion controls or these uh, dongles, joysticks, whatever it may be for the console. And it's the same thing with the VR. I like more pinpoint accuracy. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be going into these VRs, and eventually it's going to happen to where you're playing these super competitive first-person shooters, I want that accuracy. I want it to actually feel like I'm there and everything's not just kind of bouncing around and finicky, not shooting where I want to or whatever it may be. So I think that's where my big drawback was to where I wanted to kind of keep away from the whole VR scene. Cause I know, I know my personality, it would just frustrate the hell out of me and I'd be like, oh, no, yeah. I'm done. I'd probably break it. I don't want to do that. It's a lot of money to be spending on something to just <laughs> not be satisfied with it. So you have a really heightened idea of what VR should be. Uh, and I, I think ultimately that's why like yeah. for me personally, I know I, what I, it I, could I, be and I'm oh, waiting no, exactly. for it to reach that point. VR now still has those joysticks. Mm-hmm. So it, it de- I definitely see an aspect where it could get better. Like I, I want a virtual reality personally where I can see this screen just like I do when I'm playing on mouse and keyboard, but I'm the one moving. Well, I mean, they had it way, way, way back. Who made the – was it the Power Glove? Was that Nintendo? Mm-hmm. I think it was Nintendo. I think it was Nintendo. They were way ahead of their time. Way, way, way ahead of their time. Oh, let's see. Video game. Power Glove. When did this Oh, dude, those... I, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of my... One of the original things... One of the original little handheld games that I played that really got me interested in these uh, virtual reality type of games was a little Spider-Man plug-in game. And what you would do is you had little little wraps that you put on your ankles... 
and you have little wraps you put on your hands. Mm -hmm. And whenever, whenever you put your hand in a certain way or moved your foot in a certain way, he would do certain things. He would kick, he would slide, he would zip, he would all kinds of stuff. And like, that was the most intriguing thing to me, but it was still far off. And if far ahead of his time, I would argue, because I'm pretty sure it was back in like 2004, 2005 that I got this game. Mm -hmm. So I like this, this VR has really intrigued me. I, I agree with you completely that it's not quite where it was. But. Yep. Power Glove was released for the NES and it looks like it was in 1989. Wow. That is leaps and bound ahead wow. of where it was. Like they were looking, they were leaping into the future. That was before I was born, a year before I was born. And for them to have that mindset of this is where we're going to eventually go. I mean, that's why they were the first ones to come out with the motion sensor with the Wii. That's From then, like Nintendo has been leading the charge on game development and the future of gaming for quite a while. Without a doubt. And everyone else just keeps trailing behind them because they can't keep up. I mean, they started with their handhelds with those big old brick Game Boys. <laughs> then they came out with the Game Boy Color, and it wasn't shortly after the Game Boy Color they came out with the Advance and the was it called the SP that had the lit up back screen? Yes, the, little, Our, uh, the one that flipped. SD? No. I think it was SP. A a S SP. Yeah, you, you might be right. Nintendo Advance SP. I I, I can't remember. I I have one sitting around here somewhere. Yeah, it's the Game just... Boy SP. I just looked up. So, anyways. <laughs> okay. So Nintendo has been more or less leading the charge. Right out the gate. They had... Obviously, everyone had the cartridges. The only thing that they didn't beat any somebody to, I believe, was disc. And that was Sony. Now, I want to say there was an older system. I don't remember if it was the... Was that the Commodore 64? Or if it was one of the Atari. I think one of them actually tried to use disc. But it wound up failing, more or less. But I could be wrong about that. I'd have to go back and kind of look through my gaming history. But you had Sega CD, worked great. Into the PS1, PS2. You had the GameCube for Nintendo um, that had those little, little bitty discs. They're always looking to kind of put their mark on anything. Whether it be the design, how it's played, the technology behind it. Like Nintendo is just incredibly innovative and has really pushed the gaming community. Maybe not as competitively as the other consoles, but I, I feel that they're still definitely the driving force behind people's ingenuity and where it's going. Oh, definitely. Nintendo's is almost a front runner. Uh, kind of like back in the space in the space age, the space race. Uh, they're, they're kind of the front runner. They're, they're setting the pace for everybody. They're sh they're showing them w what can be done and what should be done. Mm. And I, I think that's a I think that's a great way of motivating other companies to keep moving forward. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Nintendo is is hinting at, uh, or I'm sorry, PlayStation is hinting at making a PlayStation that is 4K compatible or 8K yes. compatible. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's that's insane. The They're PS5. actually thinking so so far in, in time that we don't even have this TV capable of doing 8K, and they're already on top of the technology that can do it. The so, PS5 I mean, looks ridiculous. They're, like, it looks they're definitely so powerful. 
but that's what I'm saying. They're setting the pace. They're they're telling them you you can't be pulling this anymore. You can't just upgrade from the two to the three and act like everything's okay. Like and then all of a sudden, like the only thing they really added, I would argue, to the three is a different kind of disc. You were allowed to use blue Blu-ray, I think, mm-hmm. at three. They were and, the uh, only and, ones that had Blu-ray. That's Sony what I'm saying. that was their big to revolutionary it. to it. Yep. And then well, next next came the PS4, which was like way ahead of its time. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, way ahead of the PS3. And then like now they're now they're following Nintendo's path of making one of the best. I like you said, the, one of the best cornering handheld consoles, the Switch, mm-hmm. and making something. I would almost argue is revolutionizing what we're going to be doing with our televisions. Yeah. They're they're setting the pace not only for the gaming world but also the entertainment world. Like just in as a whole. That now not only can you buy a TV that's 4K, you could buy one that's 8K. <laughs> you thought you could see the mustache on Harvey now. <laughs> oh man, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eager to see where gaming ends up. Where what other companies are going to come into the mix and kind of put their mark on it? In fact, they've got this other—I don't know if it's a new console. I don't know what it is. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it, but it's called the was it Stalia, Stelia, some new. Let's see if I can look it up. Um. um, 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 um. Of course, it's not pulling up now. But they advertise that it's a game that can be played across multiple. Uh, do you happen to be talking about Project hmm. Scarlet? No. This okay. one. Hmm. Because that's a, that's, that's a Microsoft thing that's coming. Yeah. No, this one. Stadia. Stadia. It's Google's. Yeah, it's called Google Stadia. It's a cloud gaming service. S-T-A-D-I-A. Yep. Stadia. What an interesting name. Yep, and that's something else. I haven't, like I said, I haven't sat and really gave it much thought or looked into it. They've been advertising it like crazy, especially like on YouTube and uh, Twitch. I've been seeing a whole lot of stuff about it. But I haven't done my research wow. into it. Wow, they've got it. They've got it pretty zacked out from what they're saying. Yeah, I want to say it just released. They got a processor that pushes an Intel processor that pushes 2.7 gigahertz. They have 16 gigabytes of RAM. Like this, this thing is almost as powerful as my computer. This is insane. We'll see what comes and, of it. it and almost they have feels, game titles set, set to release on it, too. It almost feels like the Steam platform that they'd put out. The Was it Guardian? Or not Guardian. That just, that just came just out last month. Yeah. That's insane. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. I'll do more research, and I'll bring it in next week. But I don't know. I'm really eager to see what happens in the next even year to oh, yeah. five years. See where VR ends up. See where gaming in general, like there's a lot going on right now in the gaming community. Um, 
all the big businesses are making a lot of changes and getting super, super competitive about it. I mean, it's always been competitive, but it's getting really tight between oh, man. competitors. So <laughs> I'm eager to see. They're really at each other's throats. Should be I'm good. Excited. The future is bright for the f- future of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Excited to talk about it. That's for sure. We'll always have something to do. <laughs> always. always that's hilarious always as long as there's media <laughs> but all right guys well, we're gonna wrap it up for this week this is a uh, episode two of the better gaming podcast nick you have anything to say going out yeah just look forward to the future keep evolving don't get behind the times and stuck in your ways absolutely joe uh, only thing I'll have to say is uh, keep striving for something better. Obviously, we, we started with Tetris and we're ending with virtual reality. So there, there's definitely something that can make it better. So just never settle. Absolutely. All right, guys. This is Kixie for week two, episode two of the Better Gaming Podcast. Don't settle for less and game on.